All right. Uh, just like that, we are back with another episode of the Rockcast. Okay. So, welcome back, everybody. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing good, John. How are you doing? Uh, too bad. Looks like we've got a guest this week. We do. It's our it's our first guest. First guest, and I guess for us, it's our first guest. Um. Well, that's an uh, honor. <laughs> have you met us? I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad to be the first guest. So, so I'm, <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Jeff. I'll let you introduce yourself, but Jeff is actually on um, on my team uh, as part of my day job, and so um, we were having a conversation a couple months ago about something that just came out, and uh, I was like, I was like, wow. I said, I really need to capture this as part of the podcast, and so. Um, so we, we've, it took us a, a little bit with everything else that's been going on in the beginning of the year, but we have Jeff joining us. So Jeff, why don't you go ahead and inter- introduce yourself and let everybody else know who you are. So I'm Jeff Sejourn and, uh, here at Ruckus, I am, uh, doing product marketing for all the switches and APs, right? I've been doing switching for many, many years, uh, at Brocade, uh, and then, uh, Ares when Brocade, uh, when uh, it was acquired by Ares and now at Comscope. Uh, so I am relatively new to wireless. I've been doing wired for a long time. And um, today we're going to be talking about uh, our new wired product, our new switch in the context of wireless. So it's right at the, you know, the middle, the, the core of uh, what, I'm, what I'm focusing on, which is wired plus wireless. Well, that's good because John generally focuses on wireless and and he knows less about wired than I do. It's, I hate so you, <laughs> they're a mean to an end, you know. At the end they, of the day. they are they are not, John. So, um, so since 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 John, since you're the 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 host with the with the most animosity towards wired, why don't why don't you, why don't you start off this conversation? Let's see if we can get you educated some. All right, all right, all right. So 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 we we know about this this ICX eighty two hundred brand new switch. Wait, what 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 what's that? Well, that's where the question comes in. Well, yeah, no, but that's... what's the what's the eighty two hundred? What are we talking about? <clears throat> it's a brand new switch product, right? Oh, we did. Yeah, we talked. We talk about a brand new uh, access switch that uh, Rakus is introducing. It's been into you know in we introduced that switch about two or three weeks ago, so it's very very new. Uh, and uh, that is, um, I would say, a replacement for the 7150, even so we're going to keep the 7150 for a little longer, right? So the ICX-8200 is going to slot it slightly higher than 7150, uh, still very much at the entry level for our switchers. Um, and um, so why did we build the 8200? Right. That's that's you know since we had the 7150, well 7250 had been designed about five to six years ago, still a pretty capable switch. But what we've been seeing is uh, an evolution in the campus network that has been accelerating uh, with the pandemic. Uh, and let me take you through a few of these trends, and then I'll explain you know what how uh, the 8200 is going to be addressing these trends. Right. So. Number one is wireless first. So, I mean, for you guys, wireless first is not new, right? And, uh, you know, it's been, you know, wireless has been 
the primary mean of communicating or connecting to the network for a while now. But with the pandemic, things have really dramatically accelerated. Uh, especially with FlexWorks. With FlexWorks, there's more and more folks that are coming to the office occasionally and they're not being assigned a cube or an office. So they don't have a docking station. They, they have a uh, best case scenario. They have uh, a display, a keyboard, and a mouse. And they connect their laptop to the network wirelessly because right? the uh, you can't have a, dock st a docking station for every uh, type of computers that um, is being used in the company. And and most computers without a docking station, I mean, most many computers without a docking station uh, don't have an internet ports anymore, right? Uh, take, you know, for example, on a MacBook today, all you have is essentially USB-C and HDMI, right? And so if you didn't bring your dongle, you're not going to be connecting to, you know, to the network through a wire, right? So really the trend for not just the phone and tablets, but also laptop now is to connect wirelessly, right? So uh, the other trend that I want to talk about is in, and that's for certain key verticals, is the move to fiber to the road, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so Ethernet on copper has been kind of stuck at 10 gigabit per second for a while now, right? 10 GBST was introduced early, I think 2002, 2003, roughly. So it's been oh, almost 20 years. Uh, and today, there isn't any really viable roadmap. You have 25 GBST and 40 GBST, but these are essentially designed for the data center with a limit of 30 meters, cat uh, eight cables, right? And anyway, today, there, there isn't any uh, products for 25 GBST or, or 40 GBST, right? So, um, some organizations, especially uh, in uh, hospitality and MDUs and, and uh, also education, uh, when they put together, like when they built a new hotel or when they built a new MDU or new, new schools, uh, and those are built a little different than the typical office well, where you could lay um, cables in the, in the ceilings. You have to, in these new buildings and new hotels, you have to put cables into the walls, right? When you start putting things into the walls, you know that you're making an investment for the next two or three or four decades, right? For the life of the building. Uh, and this is why they are interested in fiber because fiber is pretty much in terms of bandwidth, pretty unlimited, right? I don't think we have found the limit in terms of uh, the capacity of fiber. Uh, so they are looking at deploying fiber to the room. Uh, also, fiber has become, especially single mode fiber, uh, the part that was expensive to deploy was the transceivers, right? The fiber itself uh, isn't very expensive, but the transceivers on them at both end of the fiber link uh, so far has been, um, the, the, um, you know, the, the, in terms of cost, has been the highest, right? But over the last five years, price have dropped dramatically on transceivers, like sometimes even divided by, you know, like 10, 10 to 15 times less than it was uh, thanks to uh, a lot of the Chinese manufacturers that entered that market, right? So now a lot of companies are looking, a lot of organizations are looking at fiber to the room as a viable alternative, especially when they have a long-term focus, right? So um, if you take these two together, uh, this is changing the way campus networks, wired campus networks are designed, right? Uh, 
the access layer of the campus networks is used now. It used to be in the old days, like let's say five, seven years ago, essentially you had at least two ports in every cube or in every in, in every uh, office uh, where one port was for your VOIP phone and the other port was for your laptop, right? Uh, now with wireless first, you have less and less of those ports that connect uh, directly to and users through wired connections, right? Most, I mean, a, a good half of the ports are actually used to connect wireless APs right, for wireless connections. And I would say the other half is used to connect um, the other half, but I mean, at least a, a third of, uh, of the ports for uh, IoT devices that are connected through a wire, right? Like uh, smart buildings, uh, security devices, um, you know, uh, access uh, batch readers or uh, HVAC or elevators or lights. Or, you know, all of this is also essentially all these wired connections that were used by users, little by little, they're being used by smart devices, right? Uh, and users are connected are connecting wirelessly, right? So, what that means is the access layer is really changing, and it's becoming essentially a wireless aggregation layer, with a set of requirements uh, for this access layer that is evolving. The network itself is is collapsing in terms of layers. Because you don't need such a deep funnel when you don't you have less ports at the edge. Uh, actually, you have less ports at the edge, but better, smarter, faster ports at the edge, right? Because now you have uh, requirements uh, to deliver higher bandwidth at the edge and also more PoE power for all these very high-end access points that keep uh, drawing more and more power. Right, every generation of access points uh, almost. Uh, double the power <laughs> required, right? So that means that access layer now is again, becoming smaller, uh, higher requirement. And um, 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 even so there are less ports, they need to be faster, more intelligent and deliver more power, right? So um, I sort of, you know, for the, what I call the new campus network, really at the edge, uh, we need higher scalability because, you know, in the old days, you had maybe one or two users, uh, or, you know, essentially each port would see maybe a couple of MAC addresses, right? The MAC address for your laptop, the one for your phone, uh, and if you had a virtual machine, maybe a third MAC address. Now, each access port at the, uh, you know, wired access ports uh, can see hundreds of users through, you know, that connect wirelessly, right? So that requires greater scalability, greater these these uh, MAC addresses are uh, they you know they for later switching they they are known by the switch and they are in the switch table so you need to have uh, larger tables more scalability at the switch level at layer two uh, to be able to accommodate uh, a lot more users therefore on devices therefore a lot more uh, more MAC addresses right uh, you need a significantly higher capacity for each of these. Uh, um, access ports uh, because these uh, wireless access points now, they are 2.5, 5, and 10 gigabit uplinks, right? Uh, so one gig is no longer enough. So these new switches need to have a lot of multi-gigabit capacity, right? Uh, we talked about power delivery, right? PoE plus, uh, PoE plus at a minimum at 60 watt and PoE plus plus at 90 watt. Uh, has become the norm, right? You need some room for the next few generations. Also, something I wanted to mention as well is is the 
the wired layer isn't upgraded as much as the wireless layer. Right? Typically, every two to three years, there's a new generation of Wi-Fi APs that come out and you upgrade your Wi-Fi, right? It's not the same for the switches. Uh, customers don't want to upgrade the switches as often as they upgrade their Wi-Fi APs. Um, you know, at a minimum, they want to keep it uh, five years, uh, many of them about seven years, right? Which means you need some future-proofing built in your switches, whether it's for PoE delivery uh, or for um, uplink capacities, right? So PoE today, uh, 60 watt is the minimum, right? And 90 watt is a must, right? Um, also, you also need um, a lot of connectivity options at the edge as well. I mentioned fiber to the room, uh, but we also have wireless IoT uh, with Zigbee and Bluetooth. Uh, of course, we got Wi-Fi. Um, so all of this needs to be managed um, through a single interface, wired wireless IoT uh, and even uh, uh, private LTE in some cases need to be managed as just one network. Right? So these are really the requirements for this new world campus network, right? Wow. You you covered a whole lot of topics in in looks like 12 minutes. So um I I kind of want to circle back into a lot of this stuff and and let's kind of break this down a li in little little segments. Um you know, John and I aren't as smart as the average bear, so we have to have things sort of explained to us uh, a little bit. So there's some things that you said that kind of want to, and they're, my notes are kind of jumbled. So we're going to come back around to some things. One of the things you were talking about was PoE versus port count at the access layer. Um, can you just kind of quickly, you know, go back into exactly what do you mean by the PoE versus port count? Um are we looking for a lot more PoE? Do we, or, you know, is it is it by ports? Is it switch budget? You know, what are we looking at with that? Well, so PoE um, really started about 20 years ago or so, and it was uh, introduced by Cisco to power their VoIP phones, right? So the requirements were, you know, VoIP phones, about six or seven watt max, right? Uh, and um, so, and, and that was the only device that was powered by PoE at the time. So you had, uh, every time you had a, PO, uh, a phone connected to a switch, you'd have to have PoE. Right? Uh, but since then, over the last 20 years, um, the primary use for PoE now, it's really to power access point and IoT devices. And um, there is more, so access point, as I said, have evolved and they need a lot more power than it used to. Uh, and given that you have, you can count for at least a third, if not half the ports at the edge that are going to be used by access points, um, you are, so you need now about 50% of your access, access ports that need PoE, and they need to deliver a lot more power than uh, what's needed to power a VoIP phone, right? So the... Today, the average Wi-Fi 6 APs is going to use about 20 to 25 watts, right? So you need PoE plus, right? PoE is limited to about 12.3 watts. Uh, so you need PoE plus. Uh, and then the high-end uh, 6E access point or 4x4, 8x8, um, they go up to 35 to 40, 40 watts. So for those, you need what's called 60 watt PoE. It's the BT standards, right? Uh, 802.3 BT, right? So um, 
Um, and that's, you know, 60 watts going to take you maybe up to the next generation Wi-Fi 7, maybe Wi-Fi 8 for some of the APs. But if you keep your switch five to seven years, you can be pretty sure that within five to seven years, you're going to have APs that are going to be drawing pretty close to 100 watts, right? The way it's going, right? And that's just APs, right? Uh, if you want to power things like... Uh, uh, smart devices or like uh, uh, flat screen TVs or flat screen signage or that sort of thing, uh, you're going to need the, the, that 90 to 100 watt, right? <clears throat> so you've got different level of power for PoE. Uh, and so now at the edge, um, I would recommend uh, having, you know, 90 watt PoE ports pretty much uh, everywhere if you can afford it or at minimum 60 watts. Well, well 90, 90 watts of PoE across you know, well, ports, I mean, let me get out my handy dandy scientific calculator that I keep at my desk. And let's take a look. 90, 90 watts of POE per port at 12 ports. I mean, that's like a, it's a thousand watts at the 1080 watts. So, yes. I, mean, I mean, yes, that's a good point. So you need to have switches that could deliver that much, um, you know, that, but that POE budget, right? Uh, so, this is why we built it. So this is why we built the 8200 to meet all these new requirements, right? So if you, you know, since we talk about POE, let's talk about POE uh, for the 8200. We've got um, almost half of our P of you know more than half actually of uh, all 13 8200 models that support POE. Uh, some of them the the gigabit switches, the switches that have gigabit um, access ports, right, which still bread the bread and butter for today's deployment, uh, they support um, 35 watt PoE. The switches that have multi gigabit access ports, uh, which are primarily designed for those high end uh, Wi Fi 6 and 60 and uh, soon 7 APs, uh, they have 90 watt PoE. Right? And those which we have actually a model that has two power supplies. And with two power supplies, we deliver north of um, a, a thousand watt of PoE budget, right? So uh, we have equipped our switches with the uh, power supplies that are needed to deliver that PoE budget. Cool. All right. So you, you mentioned something else earlier about um, fiber to the room. Yes. Um, and so I know I've, I've heard about it a little bit and some of the customers I work with have, have talked about it. What's kind of the vision? Are we talking like hotel rooms? Are we talking like classrooms? What's the application? Or, or... So the verticals that we uh, are seeing being very interested in fiber to the room <laughs> are verticals that have buildings where it's not easy to upgrade the wires, right? Once you put the wires in the wall, like in a hotel, an MDU, or certain type of um, schools, um it, it's if if it's difficult to upgrade the wires they're going to look for connectivity that can last as long as the building right and this is why they're looking at fiber and especially as i said earlier fiber now is is maybe a little bit more expensive but not that much more expensive than the copper connections with the drop in the price of the transceivers uh, especially at one gig um, uh, but even 10 gig transceivers are, are, are dropping pretty dramatically, right? So, um, I, you know, if you look at the evolution of um, 
copper networking and uh, twisted per copper, right? Essentially, throughout the last, started in the 80s, right? Toward the last 40 years, every time you had an increase in speed, we went from 10 meg to 100 meg to a gig and to 10 gig, right? Every time you had an upgrade in speed, you needed to upgrade the cables, right? You had started with Cat1 at... Uh, uh, you know, Stalin or that sort of uh, these very early twisted per networks. Um, uh, then we needed CAT3, uh, CAT4, CAT5. Uh, and now we are at CAT6A for 10 gig, right? Which is uh, kind of the minimum requirement for, for the 10 gig speed, right? So, uh, well, with fiber, especially single mode fiber, that hasn't been the case. Uh, fiber has been... Uh, used for um, networking for a while, but really started with the current standards about 20 years ago, right? And uh, we went from 100 meg to a gig to uh, uh, 20, 25 gig, 40 gig, 100 gig, uh, 400 gig even now, and then we're looking at 800 gig. Uh, and uh, all of this works on the single mode fiber, right? OS2 fiber, right? Uh, so you don't need an upgrade of the medium every time you upgrade the speed. And this is the part that is very attractive for these organizations is when they put fiber into the wall, they expect that all they have to do when they upgrade the speed uh, is to change both ends of the, is to up upgrade the both ends of the connections, uh, the um, uh, transceivers and the switch, uh, and they don't have to touch the, the cable. Nice. You said sense. some, yeah. But oh, so now I want to go. I want to go even deeper into the switching nerd stuff. So John, you can you can sit back and and relax on this one and try to keep up. You, but you you were talking about the cam tables, and you know the and for those who don't know, a cam table is the MAC address table that is stored on a switch that keeps track of hey, what are the MAC addresses that are directly connected into you know that I see off of my my ports, not my uplink ports, the actual ports itself. It's called a cam table. And Jeff, you you touched on the cam table um a little a little bit ago. And I'm curious, how is the 8200 because you're talking about, you know, we're talking about, you know, wireless at the edge and 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 pushing more towards that. And so definitely having, you know, I, I can see the benefit of that, but let's talk about and try to explain just in a very brief detail, because we could we'd spend a long time talking about this. What exactly is, you know, the upgrade and why do we need the upgrade on these cam tables on the 8200 compared to some of our previous generation switches? So typically, um, the closer a switch, you know, you get different categories of switches at the access, aggregation, and core, right? And typically, the closer your switch is to the core and the larger the tables have to be because the switches at the core are seeing a lot more MAC addresses than the switches at the edge, right? Uh, and then the way switching works is when a packet comes in, you have to log, you know, the switch looks up for the destination MAC address and it looks up in its table and figure out what port in this packet needs to be forwarded to to get to its end, uh, end destination at the layer two, right? When you run out of space, the, the table gets flushed, right? The older entry gets removed, right? So um, if you've got a lot of MAC address, you keep flushing your table. And when the tables are flush and there's no longer information about uh, the ports that uh, the packet needs to be forwarded to, to uh, reach that MAC address, uh, then it's uh, it's called flood and learn, right? Then you flood, the packets are sent to all the ports. 
uh, until the switches rediscovered what ports actually uh, has uh, that MAC address behind it. Right? So uh, that is very inefficient if you use a switch with uh, a you know, small amount of memory for these layer two tables. Uh, you are going to be um, flooding the network with a lot of packets in a very inefficient way, right? So, um, again, at the access layer, it wasn't really necessary to have big uh, uh, layer two tables until we get uh, to the wireless first era, where now, you know, every port is going to be seeing, it's actually every user connect connected to an access point is going to be visible as a MAC address to the port the access point is connected to, right? It could be 100 or 200 users, right? So what we did for the uh, 8200 is we, we doubled the size of these MAC address tables, these uh, layer two, and actually it's the same memory is used for layer three table if, you, uh, if you're writing packets, right? But so we have twice, we have 32K MAC addresses uh, 32,000 MAC addresses um, that are that, the size of the tables for the 8200, right? That is twice as much as the 7150 uh, and um, twice as much as many of our competitors as well, right? Um, you know, if you, this is where you need to know what the use cases are when you built a new switch, right? <laughs> right. If you, just, uh, if you just say, oh, it's an access switch, uh, doesn't need a lot of... Uh, table space uh it's not true anymore and you know i wanted to talk about this because you know when we talk poe especially for people like you know john who no offense john is a wi-fi person and every time i try to talk to him about switches he gets all glassy eyed and he's like i don't know he goes i just know that's what i plug my aps into but <laughs> at my last it's like job, a power they, strip, yeah. It is. It, and we <laughs> we make we make that joke all the time that our switches now are just a 24 port power switch, you know, power strip. And and oh yeah, by the way, it does data. But um in my last job, I was forced to actually deal with the switching network. And so understanding the the cam tables. And so it's actually a good thing that I didn't know is that that you know, I mean, 32,000 MAC addresses on an access layer switch is just massive for anybody who's you know who doesn't know that i mean think about it as all of your aps you know then all especially and this becomes really critical when we start throwing in some of the features that came out with wi-fi 6 with stuff like target wake time where it's like hey the ap is going to store this client mac address in its table you know for you know years you know it's not but well, it can, I guess, if so, if the client asks for it. But anyway, I digress. And so when we have these APs, when they go on the spec sheets where it's like, hey, we are we can support 2,000 clients. It's That's what the table is on the AP. So, to, so this is where I, I wanted to talk about this because it really does represent an idea of building a switch that does support that because when our when our APs have more radios, they are supporting more clients and the client table on the AP gets bigger, then we need to have a bigger table on the switch. So um yeah, that's I I I learned something today. So we can call this one a win. <laughs> so yeah, so scalability has become, you know, you could summarize it by scalability has become critical at the access layer now that we have uh essentially people connecting wirelessly through APs and hundreds of users are using, are connected to the same access port on the switch, right? Yeah. So the other element is like, oh, so we talked about scalability and speed, multi-gig speed. 
uh, uh, for these access ports. But then when you have all this traffic, right? So all these, now all these access ports, uh, we actually have for the ET200, uh, I mentioned the 13 different SKUs. Out of the 13 SKUs, we have three SKUs that are multi-gig SKUs, right? That have uh, 2.5, 5, and 10 gigabit ports. Um, and um, when you have all this traffic coming into the switch, you need to also have higher speed out up, what's called uplinks, you know, yeah. going out of the switch, right? So all our 8200 switchers have 25 gig uplinks, right? Those are those. Uh, uplink ports can also be used for stacking, and that's uh, something that um, Ruckus and before it broke it has been doing for for many many years. Is um, using standard Ethernet ports for stacking rather than dedicated proprietary ports with uh, short cables for stacking. Right, so we used um, high-speed fiber ports for stacking, which means we could stack across wine closet. We could stack at the uh, aggregation and core. Uh, that gives us a lot more flexibility, right? So with these 25 gig uh, ports, we got uh, up to um, eight 25 gig ports on the highest end models uh, for uplinks and stacking, right? So that means you could use four uh, port for stacking and four ports for uplinks. Um, and uh, that's also very uncommon for access uh, entry level uh, access switches to have 24 gig uh, uplinks, right? So, uh, in some cases, you could say, well, it's not really needed today. Uh, but again, um, I mentioned future proofing for switching. If you buy a switch today, you need to be able to support uh, use cases up to seven years from now. Well, it's, it's funny because I was just sitting here thinking about something that, you know, when you said the 25 gig uplinks as being pretty much a standard. I mean, I remember in 2016, I did a project. And, you know, it was like, oh, well, all we need are one gig uplinks off of our switch. So, you know, that's seven years ago, you know, it was, it was, hey, one gig uplink from my switch to my distribution was plenty. You know, we'd have four or five APs plugged into the switch plus some other stuff. And so it's, it's, it's funny to, you know, when you talk about, when we tie it all back together and we say, yeah, you know, you do your switches about every seven years. So seven years ago, one gig uplinks was yeah. You know, it was something that, you know, we could live with and now, you know, it's like, well, now we can't, um, with all these other things. So I just, I just, I had to chuckle when I, when you said that, cause I was like, yeah, seven years ago, I was putting in switches with one gig uplinks and we were like, yeah, that's plenty. That'll, well, that'll suffice for years. Five, yeah, I'd say five years ago, 10 gig was the standard, right? Uh, but that well, was five years ago and now 25, I mean, we're the first one offering a 25 gig uplink at the entry level, at the, in the, in this price range, right? Uh, but uh, you could expect that it will become standard pretty soon, right? 25 gig uplinks has been pretty standard at the mid-range, but not at the entry level, right? And so this is kind of a first uh, to have 25 gig at the entry level in, in this price ranges. Well, you know, but I think if you think about, you know, because you say, you know, five years ago, it was 10 gig was a standard. And I don't even think that that's the case. I think you know, from a lot of our customers' perspective, you know, five years ago, they were just sitting there thinking, maybe I need to go to like 2.5. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, when you think about the evolution of of where we've come from, you know, when we think 10 to 12 years ago, you know, just in Wi-Fi in general, and then you, to, you go to the switching infrastructure that supports it, you know, 10 years ago, you know, having a one gig uplink was 
you know, like the cream of the crop. And now 10 years later, we're, you know, I mean, and, and but it's accelerated so fast. Yeah. You know, so it's, that's, that's, I think that's interesting. So. And very I, much it's driven by Wi-Fi. I mean, Wi-Fi has been on fire uh, for the last decade or so. And right? we went from, uh, what's the max? Why, you know, Wi-Fi 4 is the max. So it's like theoretical max, what? 400 megabit. That's like Let's see, why <laughs> 802.11n on a 40 megahertz wide channel, three spatial streams was 433 megabits yeah, per second. That's fair. But that was and that was the phi rate. So that, but we all know that we don't get phi rate, you know, actual phi rate um, onto the wire. So, yeah, 400 megabits per second was the was the maximum when 11n came out in 2009. Yeah. And now you are at uh, what 20 times this or something like that, right? Um, uh, so I mean, this is this is, you know, so Wi-Fi being evolving so quickly in terms of performance um, and scalability is really pushing the the wired uh, infrastructure sure. uh, to um, deliver uh, better speed, higher speed, more scalability. Uh, everything I mentioned. Right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it it just makes sense. I mean, I was always a big fan of future proofing, and I remember when M gig became a thing that. I said, well, let's do it because you can never have too much bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the yeah, argument, yeah. I mean, the argument at the time was like, well, we don't have anything that can really thrash it. We don't. We're not. We're not maxing out the gig links from the APs to the switches. I'm like, but when you do, you've got two point five or five, whatever the case may be. And then so yeah, it's it's never a bad thing to think ahead. You know, to to the problem that Jim mentioned. If they had put in M gig instead of just gigabit Ethernet, they've got overhead. They might never use it. Um, and the reality and, too is a lot of cases without getting into pricing because we're not a sales podcast. Um, without getting into pricing, um, in a lot of cases, I mean, it's it's easy for me to say because it's it's one item, but it's not a huge <laughs> jump. I mean, I remember I worked in a financial uh, group at one point, and when like hundred gig uh, low latency plant was like the like the bleeding edge, and I remember how much that cost. But when you're talking about financial trades, it makes a huge difference. But when you were getting down to the, the 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 lower end stuff, I used air quotes that nobody can see when they're listening to this. Um, it wasn't a huge bump to go from like gig to, to M gig, um, you know, per switch. And at the end of the day, if it gets you a couple more years out of your your switch lifespan, um, that's huge. So yeah, I mean, customers don't like to upgrade their switches. It's it's relatively easy or easier, I would say, to upgrade an AP. Right? take the AP down. Uh, you just replace it by a new AP. For a switch, it's um, it's got a lot more wires coming to it, but also, it's in terms of configuration, in terms of management, in terms of setup. There's a lot involved, and you got to you know proficient with all the VLANs. You gotta. Um, uh, there's a lot involved in upgrading switches, and uh, this is why customers don't like to. They like they keep their switches for a long time because uh, it is pretty. Even it's not just the cost of the switch; it's just the cost of the upgrade and the reconfiguration of the network. Uh, with sometimes uh, taking some some of the switches down, that that is problematic for them, and this is why they, they want a future proof of the network and. Uh, that uh, speak to 25 gig and multi gig and 90 watt PoE and all of this that is really important to be able to keep your switches more than five years, right? No, makes sense. Um, I don't think I have any other questions myself, Jim. No, I think we're I think we've 
we beat this one to death enough. Um, we could go a lot further as, as Jeff and I have in, in some other offline conversations, but I think, I think we've, I think we've pretty much covered what we wanted to on the 8,200. Uh, it's great. Okay. Well, thank then, you very much. And Thanks this is an, you. this is an announcement to all the listeners for our podcast. John has now learned what show notes are. And so <laughs> he is, he is, he is going to add some links to our show notes that you can go to click on to learn more about the 8200 and um and you know you can you can get some of the more detailed specs that uh Jeff was talking about so yes those <laughs> those that's a super inside joke so um <laughs> so we we're going to have we're going to have links in there that you can go uh go uh go learn more about the 8200 Oh, cool. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, thank you, Jim, as always. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks, you Thanks. very much. Bye-bye.